What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. We post all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes that our writers are sharing out throughout the day on Twitter. They get shared out through that account usually as well. So make sure you're checking out Ethos Fantasy BB. If you're not on Twitter, fear not. You can go to sportsethos.com and get pretty much all that same content. I say pretty much and not everything because you don't get the same tweets our guys are sending out throughout the day with their pickup recommendations, buy low and sell high recommendations, things like that. So that's why we always recommend that you guys go check us out over on Twitter. But if not, go to sportsethos.com and you'll still be taken care of over there. Now we're going to be talking about more of these pitcher rankings. Yesterday we did the first three tiers. Today we're going to do probably another two tiers because these next two are a little bit longer. We're going to discuss them broadly in terms of why the players are grouped together and also talk about some of the individuals that I have listed as well. So we went through 13 yesterday. I'll quickly go through them again here. It's Spencer Strider, Kevin Gosman, and Garrett Cole in Tier 1. Framber Valdez, Shane McClanahan, Luis Castillo, and Shohei Otani in Tier 2. And then in Tier 3, we have Zach Gallen, Logan Webb, Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Pablo Lopez, and Blake Snell. That is our top 13. That is my top 13 starting pitchers for the rest of the season. We're going to pick it up here at number 14 with Mr. Joe Ryan. I am a huge fan of Joe Ryan. Alex Fast, who you guys probably know from Pitcher List, from ESPN, he was on the show before the year started, and he got me to raise my ranking, my preseason ranking, of Joe Ryan up fairly considerably. He got me in a lot more than I was originally. Now, I still wish I'd ranked him higher than I did preseason. I can't remember off the top of my head now. I think he was in the 40s, somewhere in the 40s for me, which I think was still generally probably a little bit higher than he was ranked by a lot of people, but it's still, you know, I, I could have gone even higher. I could have gone a lot higher considering how the year has turned out for Joe Ryan. He's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He's pitching to a 3.7 ERA, but all of his pitching metrics are below that number. The Sierra is the only... Actually, no, sorry, I'm looking at last year's Sierra. This year's Sierra is 3.32, which is excellent. A 3.6 XFIP, a 3.5 FIP, and a 2.88 XERA. Joe Ryan, I believe, I'm just going to double-check it here real quick, but I believe that he leads all of Major League Baseball, the qualified pitchers, that is, in expected ERA, and he does. Uh, it's 2.88. He leads all of Major League Baseball there. He's also got the incredible strikeout rate. He's doing a lot of things very, very well for you, and I really love seeing all of those pitching indicators below the actual ERA, which at 3.7, some people might say, okay, you know, 3.7 is not that impressive. In this year, that is incredibly impressive. Uh, you know, in a lot of years, that's still very impressive, but especially in a year where a lot of pitchers have gotten blown up. You know, I'm going to take a look here and just see see something real quick. But it's been a very hard year to roster really any pitchers and have a lot of confidence that they're not going to blow you up. There are, in terms of qualified pitchers this year, 36 of them with a sub-4 ERA. Now, I'm not looking at previous year's data, but that feels like a very small number. And I think more so even than that, perhaps, it's just weird names that we've seen enter and some weird names exit that top, what did I just say it was, 36 people. You know, we have J.P. Sears in there. We have uh, Josiah Gray. We have Zach Eflin. We have Merrill Kelly, Tyler Wells. We have Bryce Elder, Marcus Stroman, Sonny Gray, Dane Dunning, Nathan Eovaldi. There are some weird names that have taken, you know, those spots of those usual guys that we see in the sub-4 ERA category. 
So somebody coming into the year with a, you know, not even coming into the year, coming into the second half, I should say, with a 3-7 ERA, I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that, especially when all the metrics are lower, especially with his incredible expected ERA and the fact that his strikeouts are also very good as well. If you're looking at strikeouts per nine, which is not my favorite, I usually prefer strikeout percentage, but that's what I got open here. He is 11th in terms of strikeouts per nine. If you just go on strikeout percentage, Joe Ryan is, sorry, sometimes fan graphs is a little bit low, a little bit slow. He is seventh in terms of just strikeout percentage with a 4.2% walk rate. Like, uh, there's a lot to really like about Joe Ryan. That walk rate is incredible. It is fifth in all of Major League Baseball behind only George Kirby, Zach Grinke, Zach Eflin, and Braxton Garrett. He's right there, one of only 10 people who have a sub five walk percentage. So, long story short, I'm a huge fan of Joe Ryan. One of those other guys, like I mentioned, George Kirby here. Uh, he is the next guy up on the list. I have him at number 15. George Kirby just does everything incredibly well. You know, the strikeouts, could they be a little bit better? Yeah, they're only 20, 21%. But like I said, a 2.3% walk rate. He doesn't allow a ton of base hits either. He allows 246 average against, 104 whip. The numbers are sustainable, right? We've seen it over the last couple of years. Now the BABIP is sustainable. The left on base percentage is sustainable. And again, all those pitching indicators, while they're not lower than the ERA like Joe Ryan's, is they're all right in line there. 329 FIP, 368 XFIP, 382 Sierra. They're pretty damn close to what you're getting out of the actual ERA. You've got a pretty good team behind him. You know that George Kirby is one of the best in terms of control, which is really, I think, arguably the most important skill for a pitcher is being able to control, know where the ball is going when it leaves your hand. And George Kirby is the best in the business at that. So he is also part of this grouping. We keep going down. Jesus Lizardo. I got into it a little bit with a guy today on Twitter who was saying that Jesus Lozardo is just as good as Spencer Strider is. And I think that that's ridiculous, but that is, you know, apparently some people think that way because Lozardo, I mean, to his credit, he has been really, really good so far this season. The strikeouts are there. The performance has been there as a whole from Jesus Lozardo when in, you know, in the past, he's kind of been a little bit more, uh, you know, unpredictable, a little bit of a wild card, not really sure what you're going to get out of Jesus Lozardo. Uh, specifically, you know, before last year, the last two years have been really good, but he has really settled in, especially this season. I think it's the walk rate, too, really coming down to 6%, the strikeout rate remaining. What it was last year, close to 30%, is 29.1. And everything else is kind of following suit for him. Those pitching indicators are excellent, 3.23 FIP, 3.44 XFIP. That's a lot of what I was looking at when I was putting together these rankings. I did look at some rest-of-season projections, but I was also looking at the pitching indicators. A lot of the time, kind of averaging them out, and looking and seeing who has done the best. Not not taking them all and dividing by four, not averaging them out in that way, but just seeing who's at the top of all these leaderboards. Jesus Lizardo is pretty damn close to the top of a lot of these expected leaderboards, and he is the guy that I've slotted in here at 16. At 17 is Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove is kind of a tricky one. Uh, you know, I'm not as big of a fan of him as I think a lot of people are. I still think he's really good. I just don't think that he is maybe as good as some other people. And I, I think with my ranking, I think it's very fair, right? To have him somewhere in the late teens, I think that's generally where he should belong. He's given you good strikeouts most of the time. He's given you pretty consistent performances. The whip is usually fairly low. He's been really good as of late. I just, I don't know what it is about him exactly. I think it's maybe that the strikeouts are just kind of unexceptional. They're, they're fine. You know, 24% strikeout rate. It's come down over the last couple of years. I think that might be what it is for me. You know, he's good with control, good walk rate. Uh, you know, the indicators for him are also very good. You're looking at a 306 XERA, 355 FIP. Those numbers are good. 
I think it's just the strikeouts and the fact that maybe San Diego has been a little bit uh, underwhelming this season. That leads me to say eh, I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit behind people probably on uh, Joe Musgrove. But 17, I have him ranked at 17. I am by no means, like, not in on him. I just think that maybe other people will have him ranked higher when they do their rankings. I'm not sure, uh, but we have him here at 17. At number 18, I got Hunter Brown. And I got asked about this a few times yesterday. Why is Hunter Brown on this list? Why is Hunter Brown so high up on this list? Blah, 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 blah. Hunter Brown is 10th in the league in Sierra. He is 5th in XFIP, 14th in FIP, 17th in strikeout minus walk percentage. So those numbers are all incredibly strong. You know, 5th in XFIP. XFIP is the one that a lot of people look at and say this is the number that best identifies the quality of the pitches being thrown. Everybody has their favorites. Some people like Sierra. Some people like XCRA. Some people like XFIP. I've come around more on XFIP. I wasn't usually a big fan of it. I just sometimes, I think it's the home run to fly ball rate. Uh, being used as a league average home run to fly ball rate in the equation as opposed to your actual home run rate. That kind of gets me sometimes because sometimes there are pitchers that give up a lot of home runs that do have a better XFIP because, you know, they're using the league average home run to fly ball rate or league average home run rate, whatever it is specifically they use. And it's not their actual home run total. So sometimes there's little things like that that can skew the X stats that are like, uh, I don't I don't know exactly but XFIP, I've come around on. I think it's a really solid stat. And if you look at XFIP and see who is ahead of Hunter Brown, it's Strider, it's Gosman, it's Logan Webb, and it's Framber Valdez. And then it is Hunter Brown there. That's how impressive he has been in that department. FIP is not really much different. FIP, he is, what is he in FIP? I just said it a second ago. 14th in FIP. But he is at, what is the number here? So Fangraphs has given me a bit of grief. Sorry, guys. Uh, 334 FIP. Again, really, really strong number that you're not seeing from a lot of even more established pitchers. You know, you're seeing it. He's got a better FIP than Garrett Cole does. He's got a better strikeout rate than Garrett Cole does. His walk rate is right in line with what Garrett Cole's doing. Like, not to say that he is Garrett Cole, but he's doing really impressive things, and he's not really been given any kind of credit for it. I think Hunter Brown is easily one of the top 20 pitchers going forward for fantasy baseball purposes. I know he had a couple of bad starts before the break. Texas, that'll do it. Seattle, they're also very capable of giving you very good performances night in and night out. So I'm not you know, troubled by that, really. I think down the stretch, Hunter Brown is going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball, and I have no problem ranking him as a top 20 arm. Now, next up, this one is a little bit more just on feel, and it's Carlos Rodon at number 19. Uh, this is a very tricky one because we've just seen the one start from Rodon. He could be a lot better than this. He could be a lot worse than this. This is essentially just kind of a shot in the dark, but you have to rank Carlos Rodon what I, I'm, as a side note here, in case people are you know mad about no Max Freed, no Brandon Woodruff, I didn't really rank injured pitchers. You know, Shane McClanahan did make the list because he's supposed to make his first start back out of the break. So he's not somebody who is expected to be you know on the IL coming off of that. I, I did not rank guys who are currently hurt. So there's no Woodruff, there's no Freed, uh, there's one or two others who are not on the list because... They're not pitching right now. Well, Rodon is back, and he's pitching right now, and I am very confident that he can be Carlos Rodon of last year and the year before because I think that's just who he is at this point. Now, his first start, only two strikeouts and five and a third. Not great because we know he's you know built to strike batters out, but I think over the course of the season, we'll see him start to build up, and we'll see that same Carlos Rodon. Maybe not exactly the same, but a very similar version that we saw over these last couple of years. So I don't know that we're going to see a sub-3 ERA with a 1-0-3 whip necessarily, and 250 strikeouts nearly is probably definitely not going to happen. 
Um, not to say that he can't do that like on a strikeout rate basis, but you know he's not going to have those raw numbers. But I do still think that down the stretch, you're going to see Carlos Rodon dominate because that's just what he's done the last couple of years. Yes, I am you know, not thrilled that he's had all these injuries, you know, his back and his forearm and everything else. But I think now that he's healthy, you have to, you know, take them at face value that he is healthy and that he is going to be able to give you what you're expecting out of him, uh, which is ace-level pitching. So I have Carlos Rodon here at number 19, and that wraps up the next tier. That is tier four there. Ryan, Kirby, Lazardo, Musgrove, Brown, and, and Carlos Rodon. The next tier is the tier where I start to lose faith a little bit, and I th- not even lose faith necessarily, but I think that's where we kind of get off of the ace train and we start to move into more of the really, really good pitcher kind of part of the list here. So I got Nathan Ivaldi at number 20. I have Logan Gilbert, 21. Zach Eflin at 22. Mitch Keller at 23. <clears throat> Braxton Garrett at 24. Justin Steele at 25. Clayton Kershaw at 26. And then Dylan Cease at 27. Nathan Ivaldi, I really like. He's having a great year. I just don't know if he is necessarily going to be as good in the second half as he was in the first half. And I, I think that that's probably something that we are generally kind of expecting. Ivaldi has been out of his mind. He's been the 10th ranked player, according to Yahoo, is the 10th ranked, not pitchers, players. He is the 10th overall player this season. 117 innings, which is a lot for the first half. 109 strikeouts, 283 ERA, 102 whip. He's got 10 wins already. He's been really, really good. <clears throat> now, will he maintain that down the stretch? I'm not 100% sure of that, personally. You know, the strikeout rate is not the greatest, 24%. The walk rate is higher than it's been going back four years now, which is it's still good. It's just shy of 7%. But he's been, you know, 4 3% over the last couple of years. You don't like to see it go up. Um, you know, the expected stats are higher than the actual stats. 283 ERA, 339 XERA, uh, 318 FIP, 364 XFIP. They're still very good numbers. Don't get me wrong. They're great numbers. But I don't think that once we get to this point, that's why there's a tear break here. It's because I don't think that we are talking about aces necessarily down the stretch. And I'm going to piss off people in Texas, maybe even just people in general for fantasy purposes. I just don't see Nathan Eovaldi as having one category where he really stands out to you. Potentially wins, but you know that's something that's so risky to bank on. He pitches for a very good team, and he'll likely win a lot of games down the stretch. I just, you know, that's kind of the category for him. His career whip is 1.3. Is he going to be a 1.02 guy the rest of the season now? Likely not. You know, he's done it for the first half, and maybe he can do it because you do see pitchers go on these runs where they are just magic. I just don't see Evaldi being as good in the second half. I still see him being great. I ranked him as the 20th best pitcher in baseball, but I don't think we're going to see that same kind of production that we've seen so far because according to Yahoo, and I know the different player raters, they are a little bit different. They're generally about the same. But according to the Yahoo's player raider, he's been the number one starting pitcher in fantasy baseball. I just He's not going to maintain that. I think he'll maintain good numbers, decent ratios, and he'll get you wins. But I don't think he can be justifiably ranked any higher than about 20th. Logan Gilbert at 21, another guy that I really like. I, I, you know, I've come around on Logan Gilbert a lot. I used to think that he was the, the, the lesser, the less arm Oh, Jesus, butchering the words here at the end of the day, that he was the weakest of those four-headed monsters that they had in Seattle, Castillo and Ray and Kirby and and Gilbert. Uh, now, I still think that he's probably like third on that list. That's where I have him out of Seattle's pitchers here. 
But man, like what he does is really, really impressive. A 4.4% walk rate is incredible. The expected numbers are right in line with what he's doing. 3.6 ERA, he's got a 3.6 XFIP, a 3.5 FIP, a 3.35 X ERA. He's doing really good things for himself. He's raised the strikeout rate from his last year, which was, I mean, essentially not not really. I guess I count last year as kind of like his rookie year, even though it wasn't. 2021 was, but I guess 120 innings. I guess I'm just wrong on that front. Uh, it just feels like last year was his first like full, full season. So I guess in my brain, it's kind of the rookie year, but it wasn't. He's been around for a couple of years now. He's just gotten better and better every year. I know that the ERA, the actual ERA is a little bit higher <clears throat> than it was last year, but the expected stats are lower. Like I said, strikeout rate higher. Walk rate is lower. I think Seattle's a team we're going to see <clears throat> come around in the second half as well because I think that's generally going to happen with a lot of these underperforming teams. Now, some of them will just be shit. Some of them won't come around. But I do think in general, you know, your Cardinals, your Mets, your Phillies, and the Phillies haven't even been that bad. Uh, but generally those teams that have been so horrible in the first half, and, you know, <clears throat> you can include the Mariners there. Not that they've been horrible, but they've been a disappointment. I think they're going to be a team that does turn it around a little bit down the stretch. And Logan Gilbert should be front and center there in terms of that. So he ha- he is at 21 for me, fairly comfortably. At 22, I have Zach Eflin. Zach Eflin is one of the more impressive pitchers in all of Major League Baseball at this point. Uh, you know, I feel like some people will think that's hyperbolic. It's not. Zach Eflin, <clears throat> I don't know what it is with Tampa, you know, and thank God Tampa has him because with the injuries that everybody else, you know, they lost Springs, they lost Rasmussen, they don't have Baz, and then McClanahan went down, and then Glass now had something in his hand last time out. It's just like, can these guys catch a break? Zach Eflin has been their big break on the mound this year. 26% strikeout rate, which is excellent. A 3.7% walk rate, which is just otherworldly. He's got a sub-one whip, and there's only a couple pitchers in all of baseball with a sub-one whip. His XFIP is exactly, no, sorry, not exactly, 3.05. Uh, I was looking at Hunter Brown there. I'm still transfixed on uh, on Hunter Brown. But if you're talking about what, um, what Zach Eflin has done so far this season, it is nothing short of remarkable coming into a new team. I mean, I know Tampa's known for pitching, but this is still really impressive, especially because of the sustainability of it. A 3.12 FIP, a 3.22 Sierra, you know, you could argue that he should be ranked higher than this. There, I've seen some people rank him in the teens, and you could easily make that case. He's, you know, sustainable numbers. 280 Babbitt, 75% left on base. It's sustainable. It's really sustainable for a great team. There are going to be win opportunities coming for Zach Eflin, and I do think that he is pretty reasonably ranked here at 22. I could argue that he should be even higher. I could argue that, you know, you could put him in the 20 spot and move Evaldi down a couple, and maybe I'll do that. i got to think on it, but I think right now I'm going to leave it. But Zach Eflin, like, I, I really, really like him. He's not the flashiest guy. He's not the sexiest pitcher to have. But he just gets the job done as well as <clears throat> pretty much anybody else in baseball. Like, he's been that good. He's been, a, you know, to this point of the season, he's been like a top 10 pitcher. I don't think he's going to be that good, but I think he's going to be pretty freaking excellent uh, down the stretch. Next up is Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller is an interesting one. He is someone that we never really thought was going to break out. Because he kind of showed flashes every year for these last few years, and we never really bought it. He always had too many control issues. Now he's got that strikeout minus walk rate to nearly 20%. He got 27% strikeout rate nearly with a 7% walk rate. The strikeouts are huge, right? The strikeouts have always been kind of 20%. His rookie year, the first 11 starts of his career were really good. 28% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate, very similar to what he's doing now. Over the last couple of years, though, it's been awful. Like He has not been a good pitcher. He's not been somebody you could really use in fantasy. Last year, you could make the case, excuse me there. Last year, you could make the case he had a 3.91 ERA. 
You know, he had the 1-4 whip. Maybe you could roster him in 15s. This year, he's absolutely a must-roster player all over the place, but you guys already know that. It's because of the strikeouts, and more so it's because of the control, because the, the control problems were really what was holding him back. Now that he's able to you know maintain, even if it's just a league average kind of 7-8% walk rate, that will do wonders for him, and it has so far. And those expected numbers, like I love to talk about, they're right in line with his 331 ERA, pretty much on the nose. 337 XERA, 335 FIP, 356 XFIP. All of it is really good. The only downside is that, you know, you're probably not getting that many more wins out of Mitch Keller. He has nine already this season. You know, you banked a lot of those when the Pirates were doing really well. They're probably not going to do very well down the stretch. If you look at various projection systems, he's projected for three to five wins anywhere in that range down the rest of the season. I'd probably take the under on five, honestly. I don't know how many times Pittsburgh is going to give him a good chance to win. He'll give himself a good chance to win. He'll put them in a position where they should be winning but I don't know that they're actually going to be able to come through offensively for him. Uh, Bullpen's not bad down there, but I don't know offensively they're going to be able to pull through a lot of games for him. But regardless of that, the strikeouts, the walks being what they are, and the performance being what it has been so far this season, uh, pretty comfortably have Mitch Keller at 23. Now let's start to, to piss some people off here. Let's talk about Braxton Garrett at 24. Is it a little high? Some people thought so. But I think he's earned it. I think Braxton Garrett has earned it with what he's done so far this season. He has the sixth best strikeout minus walk rate in all of baseball. 26.7% strikeouts, 4% walk rate, so it's 22.8. He's given you a 3.01 xFIP. He's given you a 3.43 FIP, 3.22 Sierra. All of his metrics have been excellent. And the actual, you know, if you just want to look at the actual performance, because I'm probably driving some people up the wall talking about all these advanced metrics. If you just look at what he actually does a lot of the time, it's really good. You know, I know he went into the break with a couple of less than superb starts. He did get the victory against Philly his last time out. Only three Ks, a few runs. It wasn't the greatest start. But still, if you look at the whole product, you know, over the last month, 32 Ks in 28 innings, a 283 ERA, a sub one whip. Look at the whole season, 92 innings, 101 Ks, a 3-7 ERA, a 1-1-4 whip. Now, again, like the story is with Keller, wins are going to be few and far between probably for Braxton Garrett. He had three in the last month. Really good stuff. Probably not going to see too, too many. I know Miami's good, but they're not that good where you can say he's going to win six or seven games in the second half. Maybe you luck into five and he gets double-digit wins, but I think you're rostering him because the ratios are so strong, the strikeouts are so good. Everything has been coming together for Braxton Garrett this year in a big way. So I have him here at number 24. Number 25 is Justin Steele. Justin Steele is also kind of a tricky guy to rank. I had him... I forget where I did before the season. I was probably a little bit higher than consensus on him before the season because I was just a huge Steel fan. Last year, what he was doing was brilliant. You know, he had a 318 ERA, and all the metrics were good last year, too. 359 XERA, 320 FIP, 348 XFIP. Now, it's interesting. This year, what he's done, his strikeouts have come down, but like a lot of pitchers who find success, he's also dropped his walk rate quite a bit. You know, in his early stretches in the majors and even throughout his career in the minors, Never somebody with the greatest control. Always looking at an 8-plus percent walk rate, 10% here, 11% there, 10% there. Last year was 10%. This year, he's got it to 5.2%, which is absolutely excellent. Sustainable BABIP at 286. Sustainable left-on-base percentage at 75.7. Now we're looking at this year at 256 ERA, 286 FIP, 383 X FIP, and a 318 X ERA. 
it's all really good. And that's kind of a common theme with everybody we've talked about here. The actual ERAs might not always be the sunniest. Hunter Brown is a good example. You know, he doesn't have the greatest ERA, but you look deeper and you see, well, those advanced metrics have been really, really good. So, you know, even though it's a 412 ERA, I don't really care. That's what I've been looking at a lot more. As I grow more as a baseball fan, as a fantasy analyst, I look more and more and more into those advanced stats. And the guy who came at me today about Lozardo and Strider, he blew me off when I said, you know, take a look at deeper down because he just posted, you know, ERA and whip and strikeouts, which is fine, but it does leave something to be desired there. You're, you're missing part of the picture. And I think that that's something that is really, really important to dig beyond. So a common theme with everybody we've talked about today and yesterday, those expected numbers are really good. Usually we're looking at a good strikeout to walk rate. Those are the things that you need to look at when you're evaluating pitchers. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things that can also help you depending on how you look at them. But if you're not an informed person who is looking into certain stats, then you're not going to do well in fantasy baseball. There are certain stats that you might look at and it might just hurt you more because it doesn't really do that much for you. And again, if you know how to read into certain stats, then it can. But if you're just looking at you know the shape of pitches and induced vertical break and this and that and the other, I don't know that that's necessarily going to do so much for you from a fantasy point of view. If you're somebody who can take that information and say, okay, then he's going to start using this pitch more. And this, like If you're very, very analytical and you have a very sharp baseball mind, then maybe you can. But I think a lot of the time, the best advice I can give you is look at FIP, XFIP, XERA, Sierra, and strikeout minus walk rate. It's not that complicated if you keep it to that. And you'll still get a very good picture of who has been performing well, who's been screwed, who's gotten the results they deserve, and yada, yada, yada. You'll start to see more and more of that the more you kind of evaluate in that way. But I want to keep it going here. We'll close this episode out with the last two guys of this tier. Number 26 is Clayton Kershaw. And I'm going to catch some flack for this one. He's ranked too low based on skill. I, I'll be the first to tell you that. Clayton Kershaw, if you're just talking about skill, He's ranked too low. He's been the number three pitcher, according to Yahoo, throughout this portion of the season, uh, the first half of the season. He is behind Evaldi and Gallon. That's it. Now, there's a couple things. One, Clayton Kershaw, we know he misses time every single year. We know it. It's going to happen. He's only going to throw 120-some-odd innings. Maybe, you know, I, like I was talking about with Paul Spore the other day, because we mentioned this a little bit, because Paul... You know, it was really kind of a cool comp. He's saying that maybe Mike Trout going forward will be the hitting version of Kershaw, where you just expect some time missed. We know Kershaw's going to miss time, right? Last year was 126. Year before, 126. Year before that, it was actually a fairly full year. Uh, you know, the short season, he made 10 starts. And the year before that, we're looking at a few starts missed. And always, generally, you know, going back to about 2015, you can bank on at least a few starts missed. And over these last couple of years, you're banking on about 10 starts missed. Kershaw has been healthy in the first half. I don't think there's been an IL stint. I could be wrong, but I don't think that he has had to miss any time. There might have been one start, and I might be just forgetting about one random thing earlier in the year, but 16 starts, 95 innings. He's been classic Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he's never going to be as good as he was during you know, the mid-2010s uh, because he was like one of the best pitchers we've ever seen. He's arguably the best left-handed pitcher who's ever played baseball. You could, you could definitely make that claim. Now, is he that good anymore? No, but he is still, you know, a 20-plus percent strikeout minus walk rate. He's still allowing good BABIPs. He's still straining a lot of base runners, which he's always done. The expected numbers are still there for him. A two, oh, excuse me, a 255 ERA, a 347 XERA, a 353 FIP, 327 XFIP. 
it's all really good. My ranking of Kershaw comes down to the fact that I just don't expect him to be healthy and making all the starts he's supposed to down the stretch. If he does, then we're looking at another you know, 15 or so starts from him. I just don't necessarily see that. 14, 15 starts, whatever it is. I'm just not really there on projecting that. I would rather project him lower and then be a little bit disappointed. I'd actually be kind of happy and you know get extra innings that I wasn't expecting rather than say, we're going to get a full Kershaw season, then we get 130 innings, and then we're all disappointed about it. I, I'm going to you know bank on him missing some more time. We've also, you know, for the fact that he's injured right now, he's got a shoulder injury where Dave Roberts said the other day, where there's not really a certain timeline. He's not sure if Kershaw will return <clears throat> to the series uh, immediately after the All-Star break, which is tomorrow starting against the Mets. We're not sure if he's actually going to be there for that. So, you know, that does worry me a little bit. The skills don't worry me. He's still amazing. I just worry about availability. So that's pretty much what that comes down to with Kershaw at 26. Dylan Cease at 27. Dylan Cease I find uh, very, very hard to rank a lot of the time. I... I really like Dylan Cease, but he also doesn't know where the ball is going when he throws it a lot of the time. And that is tricky for anybody, uh, you know, but especially if you're trying to roster fantasy baseball players. I just don't think Dylan Cease really, like I said, I don't think he knows where the ball is going when it leaves his hand half the time. And that is the reason why he you know, walks 10% of batters. It's better than it was last year a little bit, but 9.4% walk rate is not great, especially with those strikeouts coming down a little bit. It's not a lot. But going down from a 30, 31% to 27.5, you're losing a couple strikeouts, you know, one a game, couple a game there. It's not great. A 4.30 ERA is not great either. The expected numbers are pretty good 389 XFIP, 378 FIP, 4.20 ERA. It's not bad. It's just kind of unexceptional. The strikeouts are still good, and that's what will get him, you know, the ranking that he has right now, which I think is very reasonable at 27. I just can't push him any higher than that because of the control because of the awful team context. He started 19 games, he's won three. You know, you're not, you're not putting him out there and expecting any kind of victories. You're hoping for your strikeouts, and that's pretty much it, praying that he can find the strike zone that night. That's pretty much it for Dylan C. So I, I like him, but I wouldn't put him any higher than I have him here at number 27, which will close out Tier 5. So I'm going to recap what we did today real quick. Joe Ryan at 14, George Kirby at 15, uh, Lazardo at 16, Joe Musgrove at 17, Hunter Brown at 18, Carlos Rodon at 19. That is Tier 4. Now, Tier 5 is Nathan Ivaldi starting at 20, and then Logan Gilbert, 21, Zach Eflin, 22, Mitch Keller, 23, Braxton Garrett, 24, Justin Steele, 25, Clayton Kershaw, 26, and Dylan Cease at 27. That'll do it for us for today, and we are going to put a pause on the rankings because in about a half an hour, I'm going to be doing a gladiator draft. If you guys haven't done them before, it's pretty cool. You draft 23 players. There is no bench. There is no setting lineups. There's no pickups. There's nothing. You draft, and that's it, and you hope for the best. So I'm going to be doing one of those. I'm going to be not recording it. I'm just going to do it audio, I believe, <clears throat> but that will be tomorrow's podcast, so you can get that one. Uh, it'll be dropping earlier in the day than usual. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. My throat is ruined right now from a long day of talking. Um, but tomorrow's podcast will be longer than usual and come out earlier than usual. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Subscribe to the feed so you get it right when it drops. And make sure you check me out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB where we post all of our content from. But guys, that'll do it. Until tomorrow, I hope you have a great night. Take care and cheers. Cheers.